hash mark angle to the left for Adams and Terry. 48-yard field goal attempt. Set to go. Snap ball down. Kick up. Kick is on the way. And it is good! It's good! It's good! Out in the ninth inning, here on the banks of the Mississippi River, the Red Sox need one more out. Swing a ground ball. Welcome everyone, episode 41 of the Loudest Sports Show, brought to you by the Dorkening Network and sponsored by Deadly Grounds Coffee and Silk City Hot Sauce. With flavors like Erotic Fever and Badass Jew, use code DORK for a 20% discount and a free bottle of Silk City Hot Sauce. I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, and I am here, as always, with my co-host on the show, my co-host in life, it is Slashes the Ice Queen. I am so ready for this episode. Let's do this. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Let's talk about some stuff. So, before we uh, get into all of our uh, normal sports talk stuff, we have uh, a new... Uh, I was thinking about this the other day while driving through uh, Boston. Uh, and seeing Fenway Park over and over and over again, I've been driving through Boston quite a bit. That's quite a view. That's it is. a really nice view. Like uh, if you if you haven't just driven by Fenway Park, it's really pr- like it's it's nice. They do a really good job of keeping it just really nice. Well, you see, see that you see the sit go sign, and there's just something about it. Well, I was that's just gonna just... say, like, if you haven't seen that sit go sign, that thing is fucking huge oh, it's in massive. real life, and it's so fun when it lights up at night. Uh, yeah, it's like sparkly. Part of the you can see it like all over Boston, but like I've been driving in on the Pike almost every day for the past few weeks. Uh, and I see it all the time. I see the Black Lives Matter sign. I drive past Warrior Arena and the Auerbach mm. Center, so I get to see where three out of four well, of I mean, our and those teams, are people, the practice facilities. I was going to say, and people may not know this, but they're actually back-to-back. It's almost like the same facility. They're right next to each other. Right. Uh, right on a T-stop. So, like, you know, if, if like, Bergeron wants, he can, you know, just hop on the T and just, like, get off on the T and walk over there. Do you think he would wear his skates on the train? Oh, well, probably not. I, I believe that's frowned upon. This train is running late. I had to uh, get dressed on the train, and uh, uh, luckily I have my skate guards. I mean, if he, if he did, he would probably wear, you know, those nice rubber guards well, that they have for the skate skates. Guards. Yeah. Yes. But uh, this is a, a, a thought I had as, as I was driving through. Who is on your Mount Rushmore of New England sports? Now, a couple of these, I think... Most folks nowadays will have the exact same answer, especially NFL. NFL, you have uh, to say Tom Brady. Well, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I thought about this and I decided to keep it to retired players. You know, obviously, once Bergeron retires, he's absolutely going to be on my Mount Rushmore. Um you but know, remember, but, this but, is only one basketball, one football, one hockey, one baseball. Right. So I think for for fairness sake, 
as far as, you know, looking back at legacies and stuff, for me personally, anyways, I chose people who have already retired from the sport. All right. So who's yours? Because I'm going to get into some of mine. Well, I mean, so for football, obviously you have to go with Tom Brady. You have to go. There's I mean, like he's the best yeah. in the sport. Period. It's he's he's the best that we've ever seen. You know, you can kind of uh, create some arguments between him and maybe Joe Montana. No, uh, not anymore. But, well, but but really not anymore. The uh, the only argument that I bring up is you know, when people are like, oh, he might be the greatest football player of all time. It's like, mm, I give that to Jerry Rice because Jerry Rice played in an era where, you know. It's not as wide open for receivers as it is well, and now. Well, I was going to say, like, sometimes it's difficult making these comparisons because the game has changed so much. Right, but he's still, even with how wide open and how everybody, you know, like, all these quarterbacks pass for 5,000 yards, like, we never saw a 50-touchdown season until Brady did it in 2017. It's happened, like, five or six times since then. We've had, you know, nobody threw for 5,000 yards for, you know, 30 years. All of a sudden, now everybody does. Like, Matt Stafford was doing it with the Lions. Like, everybody throws for 5,000 yards. And still, the best receivers that we've seen in the last few years, guys like Larry Fitzgerald, uh, 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 T.O., Randy Moss, those guys are thousands and thousands of yards behind where J- Jerry Rice ended up with 22,000 receiving yards, and the next closest guy, I think, was it's either T.O. Or, or Randy. I forget where they are, but they're very, they're like neck and neck with each other. They've got like 16,000. Like, nobody's close. Nobody will ever be close. Like, you know, the guy was 40 plus years old, still getting 1,000 yards. So. I look at that, and that's in the day and age where you could be grabbed and pulled and held by, you know, and, and decked by uh, by opposing defensive players. You know, and he had to go up against guys like Rod Woodson and Deion Sanders. I mean, he went up against Deion Sanders twice a year for, you know, several years when Deion was with the Falcons, then when he was with the Cowboys. Like, this is a guy, you know, so if I'm doing an all-time NFL, I mean, I'm probably putting Jerry Rice over Brady, just because um, the records that he has, no one can come close. Like he's he leads, he's all time in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and there's no one that's even remotely close. Like guys would have to like, if Randy Moss was still playing and still putting up a thousand yards, he might be close. But even with 17 game seasons. Like, he, he had the record for 22 touchdowns in a season. Randy Moss broke that, but Moss had two extra games. So, I'm just saying, if it's just because of that, I would put Jerry Rice over uh, over Tom Brady for all time. But if you're talking New England sports, yeah, it's, it's Brady. So, we both have the same NFL. All right. So, for basketball, I went with Larry Bird. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, who who else? Who else could you possibly go? I saw... All right. I am in a group chat with our good friend, uh, Old Man Wade, and uh, a few other folks, and we talk about basketball stuff all the time, and one of the things we like to do is, like... So at this year, we'll talk about this a little more later, there was a... Uh, uh, they announced the, the 75th anniversary team by ranking the top 75 players of all time, and there's mm-hmm. a few that I don't, I don't agree with their placement, but... Um, afterwards they had a, 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 like a little like behind the scenes thing and Michael Jordan still 
uh, bitter about like something that happened 40 years ago and was like challenging Magic Johnson. He's like, where's your shoes at? Let's play one-on-one right now. Like even at, you know, in the 50s, like Jordan was asked, do you think you could beat LeBron's, LeBron's Cavs? And he's like, what do you think the score would be? And he's like, oh, it'd be like, you know, you know, we'd probably win by like five or six. And like, well, why, why do you think the score would be so close? And he's like, oh, because most of most of us are in our fifties now. Mm. Like he's talking about now, not in their prime. So that's like the type of competitor. But this is a, there's a lot of these like great Larry Bird stories. I fucking love Larry Bird trash talk stories. So after injuring a finger in a bar fight during the 1985 conference finals against the Sixers. Bird was practicing with his fingers heavily taped. When Dan Shaughnessy, uh, who is a reporter for the uh, the Globe, Globe or Herald, I forget which, but anyways, uh, he's been around for like 60 years. When Shaughnessy asked doubtfully if he was going to play like that in the game, Bird, Bird informed the reporter that he could tape up his entire hand and still outshoot him. He then had the trainer tape his shooting hand into a fist and challenge Shaughnessy to a shooting competition. 100 free throws at $5 a shot. The two took turns shooting in rounds of 10. Bird, resting the ball on the palm of his bound right fist and guiding it with his left hand, made 86 shots. He wasn't a lefty. He was a righty. So he had to alter his shooting. Like, when you're a right-hander, uh, you you do use your hand, your right hand to, to push the, the ball out. Like, you would put the ball in your left hand and shoot with your right. So he had to completely do his uh, his shooting motion backwards. And he hit 100 and, and he hit 86 out of 100. So Shaughnessy owed him $160. After the reporter paid up the next day before the Sixers game, Bird, like a cruel older blo- brother, placed the eight $20 bills in his sock and placed, played the whole game with the money in his shoe. <laughs> I love that story. I love Larry Bird trash talking stories, like the time that he went and he he told the uh, whoever he was guarding. He's like, you know, what? I'm just gonna play left handed for the rest of the game, and he played left handed for the rest of the game and still scored like forty points. So kind of like a little bit of of uh, kind of like insight into my thought process going into picking these players um i mean obviously so brady just recently retired maybe we're gonna get into that Uh, that, but before for the sake of this conversation specifically uh tom brady has retired uh he just recently retired we know that he's going to be in the hall of fame we know that his number is you know going to be retired the Patriots should retire his right number, yes. so um and that's something that i thought about when choosing these players uh who has had the biggest impact in regards to their specific sport whose number has been retired who has represented their uh home country in the olympics and who has gone on to medal who has won all of these different accolades including you know um, mvps finals mvp you know championship mvps well, you know in, in, in different awards within the sports not only just mvps but you know the different accolades that you can win within each sport um obviously winning championships and whatnot so that's one of the reasons why i chose larry bird i mean when i think of larry bird not only do i think of the celtics but i think of the dream team do you 19- remember that 19- 
1992 Dream Team? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yes. like, I mean, that was just, oh, such a fantastic time for U.S. basketball. Like, whenever I think of basketball, that's what I think of. Like Larry, like I grew up watching Larry, and he was just absolutely. Oh yeah, well, ridiculous. I mean, like I've told the story on this show before. Like uh, my mom's free passes for the longest time were Larry Bird and Patrick Swayze, two complete polar opposites. But she, you know, we we had shrines in our house to Larry Bird, and for the longest time, I thought it was because of my dad. And it's like, oh no, that that's your mother stuff. It's it's similar to my shrines of Patrice Bergeron in this house. For my for you my know? for my mom, it was uh, Dwight Evans. Yeah. Was a, uh, an outfielder for the Red Sox, but you know, just when I when I think of of <clears> the <throat> Celtics, like he's one of those the, the the first players that come to mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, it was it was either Larry or uh, so. I'm gonna go away from what you said. I mean, like Larry's amazing, but I got to go Bill Russell. Well, I was gonna say my second choice would have been Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Um, I mean, Jesus, where do you start? The guy was a player coach, uh, the best defensive player of all time. Um, you know, people, people, you know, forget that he would dominate Wilt Chamberlain. Like he's the reason that Wilt Chamberlain didn't have, you know, five, six, seven, ten championships because Russell's got eleven. But he's the reason because they always played each other. And Russell, this is my favorite stat about him: in all or nothing games, going from college to the pros to you know every every everything. In all-or-nothing games, like, you know, a game seven, you know, win-or-go-home type things, he was 21-0. Never lost. Never lost. He's, like, the only guy you could say that about. He never lost a, a, a pivotal, like, win-or-go-home game. Like, that's who he was. Like, he was also uh, one of the highest-ranked com- uh, long jump I'm, – I'm sorry, like, uh, yeah, long and high jump uh, athletes – in the world so he wasn't just you know a great basketball player he was a phenomenal athlete and you know people forget that he wasn't you know Chamberlain was like 7'2 270 Bill Russell was 6'9 210 so Chamberlain had him by five inches and 60 pounds you know give or take when they played and he won that matchup almost every single time like he dominate they won 10 consecutive or 10 or 8 out of 10 consecutive championships or 8 out of 10 years they won the championship it's unbelievable how good he was and you know if you get a chance to look at some of the old footage of him just running up and down the court like his passing was phenomenal like he's a guy he didn't give a shit about score he didn't need to score 30 40 points a game but he would get you know 40 rebounds and 15 blocks to go with 12 points like 12 points was fine because he would set up Heinsohn or Havlicek or one of the, or Kuzi or one of these other guys but he was just so good so good um so I would I would put him up there uh over Bird just because you know you picked Bird so I'll take I'll take Bill Russell So going into baseball uh, I had to think about this a little bit and the person I chose um I chose him for multiple reasons, and first of all, I'm a huge fan of this person, and he made baseball really exciting to watch, and he was integral in the Red Sox winning back in 2004, and, you know, winning more championships after that. David Ortiz. 
Yeah, I, I would. I you would know, also. The, the Red Sox retired his number. Uh, he was the, I believe, the only player inducted into the Hall of Fame this past year. Um, I don't know if he was the only one, but it was it was weird because he's only the second DH to get uh, nominated. It was Edgar Martinez, who was a phenomenal hitter. I do know he was a first-time first ballot. ballot, yes. Yeah, first ballot. Uh, I mean, you have to go. I mean, like, he made the game really exciting to watch again. Well, he was the most... He's the most... Like, they would... So, if Reggie Jackson was Mr. October, David Ortiz was named... Uh, they called him Senior Octubre. I yeah. Like... I remember in 2013, I was out of work at the time, and I was watching the ALCS between uh, the Sox and the and the the Tigers, and it was the Sox were down four nothing with two outs uh, late in the game. I forget exactly. I want to say it was like the eighth or ninth inning. You were in bed because you had to go to work. I was out of work, so I didn't have to go anywhere. And they're down four. Ortiz hit a grand slam into the goddamn bullpen that sent Tory Tory uh, Hunter flipping over that low that low uh wall out in center field and i was losing my shit and you were yelling at me i'm like ortiz just tied the game they were down four nothing they hadn't done anything all game and he had a grand slam to tie it but like that's what he did mm-hmm. we we went to a game against the athletics and yep. he hit two home runs and both times josh reddick flipped into the into the uh dugout not the dugout the the bullpen was that the game that we were on the monster? Yes. For so we had <laughs> fun story. Um, we sat in monster seats for approximately what thirty seconds. Yes. Uh, fantastic seats, by the way. Expensive seats. They do have standing room available on the monster, and that's where we were. Uh, we had been eyeing these seats all. It was you know what the seventh inning. It had been you know over half the game. We've been eyeing these seats. Nobody showed up. And it's like, you know what? I wonder if we could just go down there. Just let's just let's just see what we can get away with. Let's just sit. Uh, lo and behold, the people show up 30 seconds after we sat down. They're like, hey, yeah, uh, those are our seats. And it's like, oh, oh, excuse Sorry. me. Sorry. Yeah. It's like, fuck. All right. Oh, I we must we'll be sitting over there. Yeah. Oops. Like prior to 2004, I would have said somebody you know, like you could also throw out like a Roger Clemens who was great for the Red Sox, but never never got that got them over the hump pedro martinez uh another guy who was integral kurt schilling was integral but you know let's the less talk you know less about him the better uh john lester mm. uh mike lowell who was a world series mvp um but some of these games like they'd be one nothing two nothing you know two one games and Ortiz was the difference. Like, this was a guy, like, you do not want him coming up late in the game because he, the pressure never got to him. He was so cool, so calm. He would just blast home runs left and right, um, you know, get clutch doubles to score guys. Like, he was he was awesome. And I love the fact that I think it was, like, they claimed him off waivers for $100. And like, really? <laughs> that's, the Twins wow. didn't want him. Wow! Because uh, he was he failed at first base, and the Sox picked him up, and the rest is history. I mean, obvious. Uh, the right team, the right position. It was the right time, you right know? place. Like they saw something in him, and he, yeah. So I, I don't see how the Red Sox went eighty six years without a championship, and then won uh, with Ortiz. 
three in nine years. They won in 04, they won in 07, and they won again in 2013, and then he retired in 2016. They won it again in 18. Obviously, he wasn't a part of that, but he also played for his uh, home Dominican team. Um, he was integral in getting other free agents here. Like That 2003-2004 lineup was one of the deadliest lineups in baseball history. I mean, there wasn't a guy in there that, like, the 2004 Red Sox that won the World Series, Bill Miller, who had won the batting title the year before playing third base for the Red Sox, was batting ninth. That was the guy at the bottom of your order. Like, I'm trying to remember who was on, like, Johnny Damon was leading off, and then you had uh, Coco Crisp, mm-hmm. uh, who ended up not playing much in the... Uh, in the World Series because Jacoby Ellsbury came up that year. Uh, they had Doug Mankiewicz at, uh, so I think it was Damon and then Pokey Reese batting second, and they'd flip-flop Ortiz and um, and Manny. Veritek was batting fifth. Uh, then you had Trot Nixon. You had, I'm, I, and I may be conflating, I'm, I think this is how it, Trot Nixon, Coco Crisp, and Bill Miller. Like, uh, Kevin Millar was on that team in 04. Uh, that's when they had uh, Keith Folk closing games. You see, these are all names I haven't really thought about in a long time. Well, it's been 18 yeah, years. I, saying, but I haven't really had a, a reason to and think about won, them in a really long time. And so. they've won three times since then. So, like, you go 86 years without a championship and then Maybe four three, in 14 yeah, years. Yeah, that's crazy. But three... In, and I, I've stuck by this my entire life since 2003. David Ortiz got robbed of the MVP award because, and I've said this on the show, I've written articles about this, I've said this to anyone who will listen, the wins above replacement stat is the biggest bullshit stat I have ever heard because Alex Rodriguez won the MVP that year for a team, uh, a Texas Rangers team that finished like 50 games out of first place. Whereas the Red Sox had one of the best records in baseball and went on to the ALCS be- in a huge part because of David Ortiz's play. But somehow he's not the MVP a guy on a shitty team is. Like, how I don't understand how that works. And it's the same thing I've been saying for years. Why is Mo- Mike Trout getting the MVP every goddamn year for a team that doesn't make the playoffs? How valuable can you be if your team is 20, 30 games under 500? Like, I don't understand that. Guys played in one playoff series his entire career, and the Angels were actually better this year once he went out and Shohei Otani stepped up. Like, Otani should have gotten MVP because he was doing it on both sides and actually kept them in playoff contention. Trout, yeah, he puts up numbers, but are his numbers any better than, you know, guys from the past few years like Alex Bregman, Mookie Betts, it's like, oh, but his wins above replacement. His wins above replacement. It's like, what were we doing before the the fucking stat nerds came in and and talked about wins above replacement? What? How did we figure out who was the MVP? You know, Miguel Cabrera got it for winning the triple crown a few years. Well, I say a few. It was like a decade ago, and he rightfully should have. But like, was his wins above replacement stat that high? What about his VORP? 
his value of over replacement player. How did we how did we decide who was good at baseball but before War and Vorp? Now I'm, I got to stop. What, who's your hockey? Who's your hockey uh, guy? So this is one that I kind of had to think about, and I decided to go with the first player who popped into my mind because let's face it, there are some fan fantastic players that have come from the Bruins organization and, you know, uh, players, especially from the 70s and 80s, who were a very important part of of gameplay and and changing the way that the game was played. It's Lyndon Byers, isn't it? <laughs> it's absolutely LB. Uh, no, Bobby Orr, yeah. I, you know, number four hanging in the rafters. I, I just I, I there's there's. There's a goddamn statue of Bobby Orr flying in front of the garden. I would, I would take. Uh, I never considered Bergeron at any point. I never considered Bergeron, Tim Thomas, Zeno Chara, Brad Marchand, any of these guys that have played for the last twenty, thirty years. It was always Bobby Orr. The only one I thought maybe was like a Bork. Well, you know, it, it, yeah, but Bork, Bork came to mind. Never won a championship came with, to the, mind, with the Bruins. But, Neely you know, never won with the Bruins. Or was of the generation, you know, that the, the 70s Bruins that well, just they they won championships. I mean, there he he They should have won more, but that's a conversation well, for another day. Which we will probably have at some point. Oh, but yes. uh but you know, just just one of those players who really changed the game you know the, the the defensive game of hockey uh you know having this this defensive forward and um being able to to play a, a, a two-way game and you know not only that the accolades that he won both you know uh, within the nhl um just as you know a person in general he's done so much for the game of hockey that you know you can't have i mean he's he's bobby orr is one of the greatest nhl players of all time period yeah period. i mean there's, there are people who have the conversations of who's the greatest of all time and it generally boils down to gretzky or how lemieux and then right. contemporarily, well, I mean, obviously, obviously Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time. Like when it, you like, have your down, number, but, but when you have these types of conversations, you know who are the greatest hockey players of all time. You know, obviously Gretzky's there, but then you have to throw out other names too. And Orr is definitely, you know, when I'm thinking of it, or it's it's Gretzky, and then it's Bobby Orr. Yeah, as far as you know, offensively, Gretzky is the greatest of all time. Defensively, Orr is the best of all time. Like that's just how it is, but I mean I'm I could go either way with those two, but yeah, Bobby or so you said uh, Brady, Bird, Ortiz, and Orr, and for me I went Brady, Russell, Ortiz, and Orr. I mean you could give you could give serious consideration to Ted Williams who has a statue outside of yes of Fenway. Uh, you could give serious consideration to Carl Yastrzemski. Um, you know, again, Roger Clemens, Dustin Pedroia, whose career was cut short. He could have been uh, much better. Pedro Martinez, after we picked him up. But um, y you have to go with the guy who wins the rings. And, you know, again, I love Bergeron. 
you know, as I kind of have to in this house. But well, you don't have to. No, I you do. You get to. Oh, I get to. That's you right. You get to. Uh, no, I mean, you know, in ten years we'll be having this conversation regarding Bergeron. Then I still will go Bobby Orr over Bergeron. Uh, uh, yes, um, but I do think that Bergeron is up there. When you when you have the conversation of the greatest NHL players to ever play the game, uh, in regards to the city of Boston, uh, Bergeron's name is going to. Oh be no, in out Boston, there. yes, but like the reason I pick Orr, you know, hands down over him is. When you say who's the best player, even if like right now, who's the best player in the in the NHL, Bergeron's name will not come up. Like people will go, okay, you know, so it's McDavid, Drysidel, McKinnon, Ovechkin, Crosby, you know, uh, Barkov. You know, like there's there's probably twenty well, or thirty I mean, names like, but, you before know, if you you're, get to if him. If you're having the conversation of who is the most respected player currently in oh, yeah, the NHL, that's, that's like Bergeron. obviously Bergeron's name's going to come up. But you know, he's never been one of those players who's after the accolades. He's never been one of those players who uh, he would he would much rather make plays and you know push his team forward than make goals. Right. He's very much. He's not a, he's not a goal scorer. He's very he's a much in the same mold as Bill Russell. And I think if they had a different goalie, he'd have probably four rings at this point. And that's a conversation we're going to have coming up. So I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, if you folks have any other uh, thoughts on this, hit us up in the, the Facebook group. Uh, because I'm curious to see if you would have anybody other than the folks that we picked. And if so, like, that's fine. Like, I I have no... If so, then you have excellent taste, my friend. Yeah, so let us know. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings, Spice fans. Silk City Hot Sauce is now sponsoring the Dorkening Podcast Network. Our craft sauces are made in Vermont in small, high-quality batches using locally sourced, farm-grown ingredients. Silk City Hot Sauce comes in a variety of heat strengths and killer flavors like Jezebel, Erotic Fever, Mango Madness, and Good Morning Jonestown. And don't forget our newest creation, Hot Syrup. Make no mistake, Spice fans, this is the queen of sweet heat. There's new and unique flavors coming out all the time. Best of all, right now, listeners of the Dorkening Podcast Network can go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and use coupon code DORK. Not only will you get 20% off your order, we'll also throw in a free bottle of hot sauce. That's SilkCityHotSauce.com. Coupon code DORK. Hi, this is Larry Bird calling. Listen, I've decided I don't want to be involved in any way. And we are back. So 
Let's start off, uh, as we always tend to do, with the NFL. Now, as we talked about last week, um, or two weeks ago, we were recording on Super Bowl Sunday, so we didn't see, uh, you know, we had to guess what was going to happen. I am not at all shocked that Cooper Cup was the uh, MVP of the game. Uh, I am not shocked at all that they won. It was much closer than I thought it would be. I thought... Uh, I did. I did predict that uh, Stafford would throw a couple of interceptions that might make the game close, but um, you know, I, I knew the Rams were going to win. I just had that feeling. So, congratulations to the Rams, and I don't think we've seen the last of the Bengals. And I've had this conversation a bunch of times with people. We're going to see Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow. Like, mm-hmm. if you thought. Brady versus Manning was great, and then occasionally you'd sprinkle in, you know, like a, a Roethlisberger making a run. Those two guys going at it for, you know, the better part of two decades was awesome. But watching all of these guys now knock each other out of the playoffs, because if they all make the playoffs, you're going to get phenomenal games like this in the first round, second round, third round, all the way through. Like, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait for the next, you know, 10 years of watching these guys just play against each other. Because even without, you know, these huge star-studded teams, I think that these guys are going to be playing incredibly well. And this is this is great if you're trying to market, you know, young players. So Burrow, Allen, Mahomes. And Mahomes is the oldest one. I think he's like 26. Like, <laughs> that's insane. So he's probably got at least 10 years, although the way guys take care of themselves now and, you know, the way they limit, you know, I don't see any of them playing until they're 45 like certain guys, but um, I I think they can play to their late 30s if they avoid injury. I mean, even if they don't, Burrow just – Burrow last year tore his ACL, came back, and now he's in the Super Bowl. Like, uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, So – It was a really exciting game to watch. I mean, I didn't have a dog in the fight, but I'm a Cowboys band fan, so I haven't had a dog in the fight since the 90s. Yeah, it's been like a thousand years. <laughs> you know, but it was but it was really fun overall. Uh, you know, I thought the commercials were okay. Uh, what were your favorite? Um, I did like the Moon Knight one, but the my favorite, I think the, the funniest one was probably the, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Colin, the Alexa, Colin, Jost, yes. Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson. Um, uh, Alexa commercial. That one was funny as hell. I liked that one a lot. That one was up there for me. Also, the Uber Eats commercial with Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, well, yeah. And and Gwyneth Paltrow eating her vagina candle. Yes. That was pretty fantastic. Um, um, and the Lay's commercial with Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd was pretty great, too. I also liked the uh, Gerard Mayo like condiment linebacker one where he was like tackling people who weren't using their like the rest of their mayonnaise well. And then he gets to Pete Davidson. He's like, oh, we already used this. He's like, oh, all right. And he walks away and then comes back and fucking lays them out anyways. And he's like, he's like, sorry, I had to. And Davidson's like, yeah, I get it. So like that, that was kind of funny, like a little bit of self-deprecating humor. So like that was that was kind of funny. Uh, and the video game one was pretty good, too, with all the players kind of yeah, coming out. The and there were miniature versions of themselves. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, and the halftime show was pretty great, too. I was a fan. So, uh, yeah, the halftime show was actually was I was I was entertained. It did what it was supposed to do. Uh, overall, it was it wasn't a bad Super Bowl. I thought it was pretty great. So there was a couple of uh, of interesting things that happened in the last couple of weeks as far as coaching goes, um, which usually happens right after the, the Super Bowl. 
Uh, Josh McDaniels is coaching the Raiders, which I did not want. I said that last uh, on the last episode. I did not want Josh Daniels, Josh McDaniels. I don't want anybody from the Belichick coaching tree because no one has had any success on uh, coaching on their own. Nobody. And I didn't want him. And they also brought in uh, Dave Ziegler, who is the uh, – the player personnel guy for the Patriots. Now he's the GM for the Raiders, replacing Mike Mayock. Um, I don't like this. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Carr, but we'll see. Uh, an interesting, we did talk about this with uh, Brian Flores. The Steelers have brought him in as their defensive assistant slash linebackers coach. So we have that uh, that big, that just happened within the last couple of days because we're recording this again on Sunday. Um the Vikings have hired the Rams' Wes Phillips. He was their passing game coordinator. Uh, he's been hired as their offensive coordinator for the for the Vikings. Uh, and the reason why he was taken is because the Rams' offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, uh, left the Rams to now be the head coach of the uh, Vikings. So he brought his, uh, his buddy, Wes Phillips, with him. And... He said uh, something along the lines of, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a fairly good chance that Kirk Cousins will still be our, our quarterback next year. Yeah, it's uh, pretty good. So we'll see what happens with him. But, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll – I, I don't know. We, we talked about a lot of the, the quarterback movement and stuff last week. So another interesting sort of development uh, out of Arizona, Kyler Murray scrubbed his social media of any ties – to the Cardinals, which I thought was kind of odd considering that, you know, he's their franchise quarterback and he's only been there for a couple of years. Um, so apparently there's been an issue with uh, his maturity and how he handles adversity uh, and the team is not overly thrilled about it. So um, th we may see something. My my personal theory uh I have no idea if this is going to happen or not, but uh, I think Tampa Bay will trade for Kyler Murray and pick up, and, and then uh, Brady will go to Arizona because the Super Bowl is in Glendale next year, and he will become the first player to win two home Super Bowls. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the the scuttlebutt around the NFL is that he's going to end up in San Francisco. But uh, that leads us to our next segment, what the hell is going on with Tom Brady? Because after it was leaked that he was retiring, and then he came out and said, yeah, I'm retiring, and then uh, it's been leaked out that the reason he retired is because he's had a, uh, he's has issues with the way Bruce Arians coached, like, Brady and offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, who should be a head coach by this by this point, and we talked about that last week. Uh, the two of them would work out game plans, and then you know while they were practicing and working out and doing all their stuff, and then Arians would lumber in and just like take a red pen to everything, like nope, we're not doing this, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, we're not doing that, and yeah, this is how we're doing this, and it's like wait, what, what? Um, so he was kind of you know pretty much done with that so he's like yeah i'm retiring but he apparently still has the itch to play um i think and i've heard adam jones say this on uh the sports hub he's waiting for them to make a deal for a quarterback you know a guy like deshaun watson or you know somebody else bring them in 
and then Brady will unretire, and since he's still under contract, they'd have no choice but to trade him somewhere. So, because there's no way you're going to have Tom Brady sitting on the bench, and you can't pay him $25 million and pay Deshaun Watson, like, whatever the hell he's making, $25, 30000000 million, whatever. Um, so, they're, the, 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 the thought process there is he's waiting for them to get a uh, another quarterback so he can force his, his way somewhere else, which I think would be interesting. Um, I like my theory that they trade for Kyler Murray. Uh, because they're right up against the cap, and Murray's going to make way less. They trade Brady for for Murray, and Brady comes back and wins another Super Bowl for a third team, which no one's ever done. I think that would be interesting. Uh, that's pretty much all I have for uh, NFL uh, slashes. You got you got some hockey stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, something kind of big happened today. The Bruins beat the Avalanche five to one with Swayman in net. Uh, this is big because the Avalanche is currently the number one team in the NHL. Yeah, and with that type of uh, offense between Mc, uh, McKinnon and uh, Landeskog. And the resurrection of the career of Nazem Kadri, uh, they just came out and just... It's the type of momentum that you like to see with the Bruins, especially because Marshand is out. Uh, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, Rask, Mr. Rask, finally took a hint and retired. Do you, do you get it? Yeah, I I get it. Uh, I wonder if he heard my last rant. Um, I mean, probably, probably not. He probably had made this decision beforehand, but uh, there were some rumblings that he just was wasn't healing correctly from his his injury um, and from his surgeries and whatnot. And you know, I just it was. It was overdue. It was about time. Um, you know, the Bruins never really should have signed him to begin with. I mean, thanks, but no thanks. You know, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna shit on him too much. I know we, you know, complain about him, and he has had a really interesting and tremendous career as far as being a, a, a goalie is concerned. And you know, when Tuca is on fire, when he stands on his head, you know, there's nothing getting in that net. But those days. Were few and far between at this point. Well, at this point, they were non-existent. Well, well, yes, at this point, they were non-existent because he wasn't playing because he was out with injury. But what I'm saying is, you know, even even last year, even when he was playing, uh, you could slowly see the light in him that he once had just slowly diminish. And obviously him showing up the playoffs, just it just wasn't a thing. Yeah, you know, he was, was he was more of a letdown than anything else as far as the playoffs go, and I think that they have a really good thing going with Swayman and Allmark. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the cute little thing that they do after they win games, where they do the whole like goalie hug thing. Uh, there, there's something there with these two goalies. I don't know how long Allmark is going to stick around, but you know, Swayman is definitely the future goalie of this franchise. Uh, and if they play the cards right, they. Should should, you know, I mean, he's doing a really excellent job of learning and not only that, building team momentum and building uh, team camaraderie too. the way that he communicates with his players, both on and off the ice is something that we don't usually see. Uh, not only the way that he said, you know, signals to his teammates as to what's coming, what's going on, 
uh, but just the uh, the positivity that he has, you know, it's 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 really something when you can tell that a kid just really wants to be there, that a player loves the game so much, and they're just so happy to be out on that ice, and that that's a light that we didn't really see in Tuca anymore, and I don't know if we ever really saw that in Tuca, but we definitely see that in Swayman, and it's it's really exciting to see. So, you know, the Bruins, um, they need to start winning more games and playing better in order to make it to the playoffs and they obviously still have time to do that and with the with the trade deadline slowly coming upon us it'll be interesting to see if anything is done before then but moving on Marchand has been suspended for six games for punching in high sticking Penguins goalie Tristan Jari Jari allegedly said how about that fucking save to which Marchand retaliated. Marchand was quoted saying, quote, my emotions got the best of me and I made a poor decision. No shit. Um, oh, we have some breaking news. <clears throat> breaking news uh, for college. Uh, Juwan Howard, coach of uh, the Michigan's men basketball team, uh, who took a swing at, Wisconsin, at the Wisconsin coach after the Wolverines lost to the Badgers on Sunday, was suspended today for the rest of the season. Uh, Juwan Howard, uh, as some of you might remember, was part of the Fab Five with Chris Webber and Jalen Rose way back in the day. First guy to get a $100 million contract in the NBA for the then Washington Bullets, which was changed to the Wizards because it was a little less violent-sounding. Um, yep, he uh, slapped the dude across the face, and uh, yeah, he's uh, suspended for the rest of the year. Uh, just to get into the um, the standings real quick, Boston is currently one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth. They are eighth with sixty-two points, uh, ten above Detroit. Um, they've played fifty games, so there's thirty-two games left. Uh, they're 10 above Detroit, only three behind Washington, five behind Toronto, uh, and seven behind the Rangers. So they have some time to make up a little bit of this ground. So just to kind of jump in there. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, uh, uh, slashes there. Jack Eichel scored his first goal, uh, I believe his second game, with the Vegas Golden Knights in a 4-1 to victory over the Sharks on Sunday. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he works out with this team. My favorite player, Sidney Crosby, <laughs> scored his 500th NHL goal, which was his 50th career goal against the Flyers in the Penguins' 50th game of the season on Yaramir Yager's 50th birthday. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, all the all just, the fives just, and zeros. Just, yeah, things just things just align for him. It's just it's just great. It's kind of like how um, tomorrow is two twenty two twenty two, and it's also you know Taco Tuesday on two twenty two twenty two, which is fun. So some big trades happened over the past couple of weeks. Toronto traded Nick Ritchie and a conditional draft pick to Arizona for Ilya Lubushkin, Lubushkin and Ryan Dezingle. Dezingle and. Calgary traded Tyler Pitlick, Emil Heineman, a 22 uh, first round pick and a 23 fifth round pick to Montreal for Tyler Toffoli. Damn, the Montreal like fleeced them. Yeah. Like Toffoli has been playing. He's been their best player, especially offensively. 
uh, for the past couple of years uh, after they got him from the Kings. But, I mean, they went from Stanley Cup contenders to, like, bottom of the, the Well, the they uh, Montreal fired the coach, too. They have, like, an interim coach happening right now. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Montreal organization. But I do know that uh, former Bruin and current Flame Milan Lucic went to pick up Tyler Toffoli from the airport. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how... There, was a, there were pictures of that and stuff. So uh, them, you know, hugging it out, be like, hey. Uh, I, I, I pictured a conversation being like, hey, welcome to the flames. And he's like, hey, I'm still in Canada, so it's okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe something that like that. That was like if John Travolta was Canadian. Hey, hey. look at me. I'm in Canada, eh? What about that? Oh, uh, my good. <laughs> So anyways, what's going on in the NBA? Well, the NBA, uh, we had some uh, some interesting trades uh, across the NBA. Some good, some bad. Uh, I was not overly thrilled about what happened with the Celtics. So we're not going to break down everything, just the Celtics and the big trade that happened. Um, so the Celtics essentially traded like first round picks and like multiple players for two guys. Uh, Derek White and... Uh, uh, what the hell is his name? Not Aaron Baines. The other guy, Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice. Um, I, I didn't like Tice when he was here. Um, I, I, I wasn't a fan. Um, like he was a decent player, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Um, Derek White, I like. He's a good. Uh, he's basically a a better, uh, offensively better version of Marcus Smart, which makes me think maybe Marcus Smart by me might be moving somewhere. Uh, who knows? Uh, the Celtics are on a tear. Uh, we'll get to them in a minute. But the big the big news was. James Harden for Ben Simmons, although it wasn't James Harden for Ben Simmons. It was James Harden for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. So um, the Nets got absolutely fleeced here. So it's like, yeah, you're going to get um, you're going to get uh, Ben Simmons, who's a, a good defender when if he ever plays again. Uh, he's good. He's a great defender. He's one of the better defenders in the league. Uh, but he's terrified to shoot. He won't shoot outside of five feet. My my feelings on Ben Simmons are well documented. Uh, James Harden is rehabbing his Achilles. Uh, don't know what's going on with 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 him. Um, but uh, there was an interesting thing that happened because this trade happened. Uh, the trade deadline was the same day as the All Star draft. Which, as you know, the way it works is you know you get the starters voted in, uh, and the two team captains get to pick the players that they want. Um, you know, kind of head to head, like the, the same way you choose a pickup game in 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 high school or you know at the park or whatever. And we do have some of that audio. I just got to turn on my speaker because Slashes has not experienced this. Does not no. know who uh, how how this went down. So this was. LeBron and Kevin Durant, and it was the end of the draft. There's two players left. LeBron had just selected first-time All-Star Fred Van Vliet. 
and it now goes to um, Kevin Durant, and this is live on TNT. So with all you know, you know Kenny Anderson and and Charles and Shaq, like kind of egging these guys on. So this is uh, how this went. So LeBron has this big goofy smile on his face. Durant has a little bit of like a, oh, I know what you just did to me because there are two players left, Rudy Gobert and James Harden. And next pick is Kevin Durant, who has just played the last year and a half with James Harden. First timer in his well, sixth well, Katie, season. I'm going to help Katie out. Katie just needs size right now to me. Oh, I think oh, remember last yeah. time. Remember yeah, last, he remember, needs, remember yeah, last year LeBron said he needed size for no, the 6'2 guy. Oh, he needs size. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to need some size for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm going to need some size. and. Um, <laughs> LeBron is hiding yeah, his interior. face with a clipboard. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. with Giannis and LeBron James Without playing question. such great basketball this year. I need somebody to offset that, so I I'm agree. gonna go with uh, Rudy Gobert. I agree. I agree. That, that, I agree. Worked, out, that worked out nicely. Nah, that worked out nicely. I mean, he can't let people Good run job, through the lane baby. and dump on the time. Ask somebody defending back there. Hey, let's not check us. Mm. Hey, that's hey. Hey, when somebody won't out, you let them go. Don't let them come back. I'm with you, KD. Yeah, that's why I cut my hair off. <laughs> I was like, I'm gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, James Harden goes to uh, LeBron, James. LeBron James as the final selection uh, of the All Star draft. Yeah. Shaq. Is he, can he, is he, is he, he hasn't played. Is he healthy? Who's that? James, he hasn't played. Do he's I, he's like missed. What happens if he oh, doesn't? He got traded. He's healthy now. He's missed the last three with a, with a hammy. <laughs> <laughs> See, and now we know why LeBron carries hey, a clipboard hey, with him hey, to the, uh, to the hey, drive. Hey, LeBron. Oh, my God. Trust me, right man. now, he's rubbing some ice hot on that thing. He's playing the next game. No <laughs> <laughs> questions. <laughs> I can't. I can't with y'all. KD, just oh next year God. bring a clipboard. It, it comes in. It comes in very handy. Yeah. So. Oh, the shade, the shade of it all. My favorite thing. Oh, I need oh, some size. I need some. I need oh, some this defense. Tea is scalding hot. Oh my God. I need some oh, defense. My he says. God. Oh, Ooh, God. LeBron, the, the best part, though, was LeBron covering his face with a clipboard because you know you know the face he was making behind that. You know. Like, Durant's oh. face on this, when I first saw it, the first thing I was, was thinking was... He was rather stoic. He was trying, like, almost like he wasn't like, was, in on the that joke. That was like, a poker face. He that was, was, that was he a was poker trying to be, face. He was trying to be, like... Like, oh, I don't know what you guys are getting all flipped out about. Like, I don't understand it. And, like, they, I knew watching this, I knew that he was going to be the, like, he was going to come down to those two guys when LeBron was, like, trying to be all cool. Like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Fred Van Vliet just to, like, force him to have to not pick Harden. Oh, it was great. Talk about being the last kid picked for kickball. Oh my goodness, the there is less shade on that than on Drag Race than in that clip right there. Like that was that was some shady, 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 shady shit. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh the tea. Oh the tea. Oh yeah, it was. But I don't know nothing about that. Yeah, like um, oof. Talk about not wanting a guy on your team. Oh, oh. So, um, did the did the All Star game happen? 
Yes, the All Star Game did happen last night. Uh, uh, again, so so did did Harden play? No, Harden didn't even play. <laughs> like what? What? What does it even matter? Uh, it doesn't what even did matter. He, did he show up? I don't even think he showed up. Um, <laughs> but like, so oh my, my favorite God, I thing. I cannot with this. So I think the first pick was uh, LeBron got first pick. Uh, or he either got first or second pick and got Steph Curry, and Curry got booed pregame somehow. I don't I don't know why he got booed, um, but he got booed pregame. And then he's like, okay, hit sixteen goddamn three pointers, which normally it, like in a regular game would be the record. Steph used to have the record of thirteen, and then Clay Thompson got fourteen, uh, but it would have been the record, and ended up with fifty points to take home MVP honors, ended up with uh, 50 total points, like I said, which is too short of the record. Uh, LeBron hit this ridiculous one-legged turnaround three to win the game, so they ended up winning by three. Good thing they had that defense because there was 323 total points scored, which you never see in an NBA game, which is why Durant going, well, you know, I need some size and some defense. I need a defensive presence down low because, oh, man, you know, like... Uh, yeah. Shady, shady bitches, oh, was, all of them. Yeah. Shady, shady. Like the pettiness level uh, in my in my uh, basketball chat, they were like, "Oh yeah, that's a that's a uh, plus five oh, pettiness." That, that's a, yeah, that that that's petty mayonnaise right there. That oh, is it was petty mayonnaise. Oh, it was that great. is great. It was great. Uh, so yeah, the Celtics uh, earlier today, uh, the Celtics were on. Celtics uh, beat the Nuggets. Uh, so they have. Uh, they went on a, a, a nine-game winning streak, and in the to, to win that ninth game, they annihilated the Sixers. Obviously, Harden didn't play. And this was right before the All-Star game, but they annihilated the Sixers, beat them by 48, like which they shouldn't do because the, the Sixers, I think, are the number one seed right now. Uh, but then they lost the next game at home to Detroit by two, which just kind of sums up their season in a microcosm. They are nine games above 500, and it took a nine-game winning streak to get there. Um, they are currently six in the East standings. Uh, if the season were to end today, now, every game is very important because there's only 11 games left in the NBA season, so every game is super important. Um, they are currently six at 35 and 26, like, but only a few games separate them from the next teams above them and below them. So you got to watch out for Toronto. You got to watch out for Milwaukee. Uh, I still think Milwaukee is the class of the East, despite the fact that they're like fifth in the in the standings. That's the team I think is gonna is gonna represent the East in the finals again. So I'm very interested to see what happens. Um, if this season were to end right now. Toronto would play Atlanta, and Brooklyn would play Charlotte in the playing round. Think about that. Think about how fucking dysfunctional you have to be to have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden and be in eighth place, eighth or ninth place in the standings with those three guys. And the biggest reason, and I understand um, why James Harden left, the biggest reason is, you know, you have all these all these superstars. When you have these three guys on your team that are used to being the guy on their team, suddenly 
you realize like okay we know who the team who the leader is durant is a leader he's the best player on that team like hands down by far uh you could make the argument that he's the best player in the league i still give that to Giannis. um because i think i it, game on the line i would take Giannis over him um the issue with them was in this type of situation you need to sacrifice something and one of those three was sacrificing nothing that being Kyrie Irving Kyrie refusing to get vaccinated so he wasn't able to play and then when they went on a losing streak the team folded and gave into him after saying oh no we're gonna stand by our guns we're gonna stick to our guns we're gonna stand by our decision they're like oh we're not doing well we're losing money all right Kyrie you can play but because of the mandate the vaccine mandate he can't play in home games in Brooklyn so it doesn't matter if the if the Nets were going to be really good you were actually at a disadvantage because you would be short one-third of your star power um I, I I don't know. I mean, it's uh, – I'm sorry. I, I made a mistake earlier. Seth Curry went from Philadelphia to, uh, to uh, the Nets, as did Andre Drummond. I, I got it the, the wrong way. So the Nets the, – the Sixers got Harden, but the Nets got Drummond and Curry – and Simmons and two first round picks. Although in that league, if your picks aren't in like the top five, you're you're not getting anything. Some years if you don't have the number one or number two overall pick, you're not getting anything of value. Um that's just the way that league works. I mean it's very rare, you know, people talk about you know how like people talk about Brady being the hundred ninety ninth pick and it's like, wow, you know, way the hundred ninety ninth, sixth round, that's crazy. Uh that's the same way they talk about like Steph Curry being the number seven overall pick because that league, they only have two rounds. And if you're not picking in the top 10, like you're not going to get a franchise top five, you're not going to get a franchise altering player. So, you know, if you get that, if you get that opportunity, you have to, you have to make it. Um, but yeah, I think the nets definitely got uh, the better end of that deal, even though they got, they had to take on Simmons. They suddenly got a guy who can shoot, replacing, replacing um, uh, Joe Harris, who's been out for the season. You got uh, Seth Curry, who's one of the you know, his brother is Steph, his dad is Dell. Like three point shooting is in their blood, so the, you replace that. Even though he's only six feet, but he played at Duke with Kyrie Irving. And then you get a, a guy who can rebound, which is what they sorely needed in Andre Drummond. I mean, they had DeAndre Jordan, who was like, you know, kind of the the uh, older, uh, the older, um, the older version of Drummond. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy. It's I couldn't believe that trade. And again, who knows when either of these guys are going to play, but I don't think either of them, either of these teams is winning the championship because Harden is as great as he is. He might be the best one-on-one -on -one player we've ever seen, best isolation player. But since they changed that rule where you can't throw yourself into a defender and get fouled, uh, he has struggled. And we've seen him in the playoffs disappear and choke for his entire career. 
So I don't know what what the Sixers think they're getting out of this, but uh, I think the Sixers lost this trade in a huge way. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, he he was pissed because Kyrie wouldn't get vaccinated, and Kyrie you know just seems to do whatever the fuck he wants, and the team just lets him do it. Like if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm pissed because now you had to replace Harden with with uh, who plays Matador defense with uh, Ben Simmons who refuses to shoot, and when he does shoot, he shoots as within five feet of the hoop. So it's like, what's the point of having a center? Like, and this guy, like, just make him play center. Like, it's it's un. Yeah, I don't I don't want to talk about Ben Simmons anymore, but. It's just it's so frustrating to see this is the second time in a year and a half that James Harden has just been like, you know what, I'm going to pout and whine and complain my way and, you know, give zero effort. There was a play uh, and I, I watched this. They talked about it a bunch where Harden watched a guy from Detroit like a ball went into the backcourt and he like took a couple steps after it, but then saw somebody else was going after it and he just stopped, let the other guy pick up the ball, run in and dunk it. And he watched, he stood there and watched like, if you haven't seen the clip, you might think that I'm exaggerating or, or being hyperbolic. No, he watched the guy pick the ball up, run in and dunk it. Like he took a couple steps after it, but then it's like, Oh, someone else is chasing it. Yeah, you can have it. Fuck it, I'm not trying for this team anymore. And, like, that's how he got moved to where he wanted to be. Like, you know, Kevin Durant got pissed that Harden was talking about being a free agent because he'd never been a free agent before. He hasn't. He was traded from the six, the, the Thunder to the Rockets. He was traded from the Rockets to the, the Nets. Granted, he ate himself and, you know, refused to play. The same thing he's doing now. He ate himself out of that city and gave zero effort, so they had no choice because you're not going to pay this guy $47 million goddamn dollars to loaf around and make everyone else around him like worse. But the biggest thing on that team, nobody called him out when he did that uh, play in Detroit. Nobody. Not the coach, not the players, nobody. they just like, oh, well, that's just James being James. Oh, what are you going to do? It's like, I don't know, bench his ass. Call him out. I mean, like, this is unacceptable. You're supposed to be a leader on this team. So we'll see what happens. Uh, he did have to change his number. He can't wear number 13 because that was the number that Will Chamberlain wore when he, was with the, uh, when he was with Philadelphia, when they were the Warriors, before they were the 76ers. Uh, so he's wearing 31. You know, uh, just an interesting tidbit. That doesn't have anything to do with anything else. But I'm interested to see what happens. I will say this and this was something that frustrated me and our friend Lavelle uh, posted this on Twitter uh, there was a picture of or a, a small a short video of Ben Simmons in New York uh, at a practice with Brooklyn you know high-fiving Kevin Durant and smiling and seeming to be in a good mood and somebody questioned his mental health like, oh, yeah, oh, I thought he had mental health issues. Looks like he's perfectly fine to me. He just wanted to get traded. And it's like, no, you can be smiling and happy on the outside, but still have serious turmoil on the inside. Ask Robin fucking Williams. You know, that's a guy who was seriously depressed and killed himself because he couldn't handle it anymore. So 
as much as I want to rip on uh, Ben Simmons for how he plays, I will never at any point question his uh, or anyone else's uh, claim of having uh, disrupted mental health because you don't know what's going on in somebody's head. Like well, how they look on the outside is not how they feel on the inside, you know, for the majority of the time. So I thought that was bullshit. And, you know, I don't want people to think that I just hate Ben Simmons, um, but I'm totally against that type of characterization of, of his mental health state. So maybe he is feeling better. Maybe this is part, you know, part of his healing process, but I wouldn't go so far as be like, oh yeah, he must be cured. He must be fine now. Because we still don't know when he's going to play. I know he's aiming for, uh, it's like a March 7th or 11th, you know, uh, uh, first week or two of March when the Sixers and Nets play. So I he's aiming for that, and I think he's probably going to come out and have a massive game. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, that's all I got for that. Uh, nothing going on in the world of Major League Baseball still because of the lockout, and they're still trying to get that. Um, you know, the, the commissioner, Bud, Bud Selig, came out and said if they lose games, it's going to be not, – not Bud Selig. I forget who the hell it is. Rob Manfred uh, came out and was like, yeah, it's going to be – it's going to be devastating if we lose games. You know, part of it is they're talking, you know, one of the things that I heard floated out there that I think would be a great idea, cut back on um, spring training. You don't need six weeks of spring training. Cut that back and have an extra playoff round. Like, instead of just four teams making it, mm -hmm. make it six. Like, give give a, a two more teams uh, entry into the playoffs. But the problem with baseball is they're so stagnant and stuck in their ways because the same guys that, you know, are on the, the BBWAA are the guys that watch, like, fucking Honus Wagner play. You know, if it was up to them, there'd still be a Negro League. You know, the, that's how resistant to change these fucking guys are. It's unbelievable. Like, of all the things that are going on, all the negotiations, not one of them has been about pace of play or the quality of the product on the field. It's all about revenue. Every single thing they're talking about is revenue. It's like, your revenue will go up if you have a better fucking product on the field. Baseball was great, you know, 30, 40 years ago, even when we were talking about the Red Sox, you know, in, in the early 2000s. You know, winning winning those series that they they played against, you know, uh, the World Series in '04, and even the series against the Yankees in '03, those were great because there wasn't a ton of other distraction. There were no streaming services like we have now. Like Blockbuster was still a fucking thing, you know, and still going strong. It was a billion dollar company. You know, you need to compete. Put a better product on the field. People don't want to sit for four and a half hours watching a Red Sox-Yankees game. They don't want to do that anymore. Everybody else is about an hour to an hour and a half of actual playtime. Yeah, the NFL takes longer, but that's because the NFL is, like, the number one revenue maker in the world. Like, the Super Bowl is the biggest fucking pageant this side of a goddamn royal wedding that you'll see uh, televised. So give people more excitement. You know, make steroid injections mandatory. You know, uh, put an extra outfielder out there. I don't know. Like, try something different. You know, have two pitchers or a batter on each side. I don't know. You know, everybody gets a different, you know, throw underhand. You know, put the ball on a fucking tee, see what happens. Like, try something different. None of those ideas maybe, are maybe any good. 
paint the ball a different color. Yeah, make it like bright green so it blends in with the grass or bright yellow so it blends in with the sun when it pops up and you can't get it. You know, make it more like Blern's ball. Put it on a string so you the only way to hit a home run is you have to hit it hard enough that it snaps the s- string. Yeah, I don't know. You know, have a clown play second base for the Mets. You know, let's see what happens. I'd watch that. Right. You know, something something fun. Like, do something to improve the pace of play. Do something to improve the product on the field. You know, maybe don't give the MVP. The MVP vote this year, and I talked about this before, the MVP vote this year in the American League, not one player on any of those teams made the playoffs. How can you be that? How can you on a non-playoff team be more valuable than a guy who contributed significantly to a team that made the playoffs? How the fuck is that possible? Like, oh, well, if you took them off the team, they might have been even worse. Yeah. But if you took a guy off, you know, a team that won the World Series, like if you took Freddie Freeman off the fucking Braves, the Braves don't win the World Series. You know what I mean? Like... That's more important than, well, you know, we might have finished 12 games under 500 instead of only eight. Like, who gives a shit? I think one of, like, the seven or eight players who were nominated for uh, MVP was on a playoff team or a team that was even over 500. It was unbelievable. Like, I was so angry because this just illustrates my point more and more. It's like, you have the Silver Slugger Award. Give that award for the for the best offense, you know, or just make something up for best offensive player. You know, the Babe Ruth Award for best offensive player. Like, don't give the, you know, best best war is not MVP. Those are two totally different fucking things. Like, and I hate that so much. Uh, but that's all I got. Uh, Slashes, do you have anything else that... Uh, you uh, you want to add? I don't know if you have anything regarding. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, scroll down on the notes, I, I am. I'm trying to. Oh, I forgot. I have something else on here. I I was trying to. Uh, I was trying to um, stall for time while I scrolled down. Yeah, now I scrolled too far. Um, You're really good at this. I am. Well, I'm used to the touch screen on the other other monitor. Uh, I did forget. I mentioned the 75th anniversary team was announced for the NBA. I mentioned that in the beginning. Uh, so I'll just give you the top 10, and I would really re reorganize this. Uh, number 10, Kobe Bryant. Number 9, Oscar Robertson. Robertson. 8, Tim Duncan. 7, Larry Bird. 5, Bill Russell. 6, Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, Six, Bill Russell, five, Wilt Chamberlain. Bullshit. Fucking switch those because Russell dominated Wilt for a fucking decade. So, no. There's no way. Four, Magic Johnson. Three, Kareem. Two, LeBron. One, Michael. Fine. Uh, Top three I'm totally fine with. I would put Magic over Bird because Magic got five rings to Bird's three. Fine. I, I I can I can see that, but there's no way in hell Wilt Chamberlain should be above Bill Russell. No way, no way. Um, Kobe Bryant should not be ten. I would put Bryant uh, over Duncan and over Robertson. Shaq was number eleven. I would have put Shaq over Oscar Robertson. Like Oscar Robertson does not belong in the top ten. I know he was really good, but Oscar Robertson does not belong in the top ten. Uh, I don't know where Carl Malone is, but he should be up there. Maybe the fact that he didn't have any uh, championships kind of hurt him. Uh, John Stockton, I didn't see in the top 20. Stockton should be up there. He's the all-time leader in assists and steals. 
Uh, so I don't know who made this list up and what the criteria was, but it uh, it doesn't it doesn't go well with me. But uh, slashes, you have some Olympics to uh, talk about. Yeah. So the uh, Olympic Olympic closing ceremonies just happened. It's been an interesting two weeks to say the least, but some positive stuff did happen. Sarah Nurse is the first black player to win Olympic gold in women's hockey. She was play, uh, played for Team Canada. Also Team Canada, Marie Philip Hulin is the only hockey player, either male or female, to score in four Olympic gold medal games, That's which is really exciting. So in case you couldn't gather, Team Canada won gold for uh, Olympic women's ice hockey. Team USA won silver, so uh, Canada actually won in a 3-2 to two victory over Team USA. It was a really interesting game, and these two teams just absolutely dumb. I would say per usual, because really when it comes down to it for the past uh, several, as far back as I can think, uh, several Olympics, it usually comes down to Team USA or Team Canada uh, winning gold and silver. These ladies are vicious, and they are so good uh, with Team Finland winning bronze. Speaking of Finland, the men's U.S. Uh, no, the the men's Finnish Olympic hockey team won its first ever Olympic gold uh, with a two to one victory over the Russian Olympic Committee. So silver went Ooh. to the uh, yeah silver went to the ROC and Slovakia won bronze. Olympic figure skating is an absolute total complete fucking mess. Uh, the, there's the Russian doping scandal going on. Um, medal ceremonies were denied because of this. Medalists were given stuffed pandas in lieu of medals. That's the same. And there are reports, because of all of this, reports to push uh, a push to raise the minimum age of competitors, along with reports of body shaming and disordered eating. Now, I think that's a really good idea because that young girl, uh, and I can't remember her name, the, the 15 year old. 15 years old. The and push to make her a champion by giving her fucking grandpa's heart medication is insane. Like, and here's the thing it doesn't fall on her. I don't blame her for anything, I blame the adults around her. Yeah. I blame those in charge who are pushing her to do things that she didn't want to do. The Russians that are like, we're going to put our this, success over your health. Time. This is why it's the Russian Olympic Committee and not Team Russia, not because, you know. But it's all the same coaches and staff. Right, and right. Because competitors. Uh, this has happened in gymnastics uh, involving the Russians. This isn't the first time we've seen scandal when it comes to figure skating, especially involving the Russians. So um, I'm absolutely on board with raising the minimum age of competitors because you have these young girls, these impressionable young girls and boys uh, doing things that they wouldn't normally do and being coerced to do things that they shouldn't be doing. You know, and, and this poor girl now is 
is is pushed into this, you know, really just thrusted into this spotlight that, you know, maybe, yes, she wanted to be in the spotlight, but definitely not for this, not for this specific reason. So I I think that the adults around her uh, really failed her. And I also think that the Olympic Committee making these types of decisions, not the Russian Olympic Committee, but the actual the Olympic. Yes, the, the IOC, um, the way that they are handling the situation is really just you know what it's just really fucking shitty because Mm -hmm. other competitors are um suffering because of this you wait your whole life to be on that fucking metal podium so so there hasn't been any metal ceremonies they they've well for figure skating for figure skating yes um you know it's just been uh, really for someone who is a fan of figure skating, and yes, there's a lot that goes into it. I don't agree with the body shaming. I don't agree with the uh, eating disorders, the eating that disorders are encouraged. and all of this stuff that happens, all of this bad stuff that happens uh, revolving around figure skating. But the sport itself is is very it's I love it. I think it's very interesting to me. Nothing holds a candle to figure skating in the 90s. Looking at you. Elvis you know. Stoiko, uh, Christy Yamaguchi. Yeah. Oh, yes. Serena Bonnelly. Oh, late, uh, Oksana Bayul. Yep. Kerrigan and Harding. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a whole thing. But, but yeah, so it's just been a complete mess. And it's contributed to the fact that this Olympics is one of the least viewed Olympics in history. Brian Boitano. They made a whole song about him. <laughs> what would Brian Boitano do? Uh, and Sean White failed to medal in his fifth and final Olympic appearance. Formerly known as the Flying Tomato, the three-time gold medalist placed fourth in the men's halfpipe and recently announced his retirement from Olympic competition. And we have a big anniversary coming up. We do. So February 22nd is the 42nd anniversary of what is now known as the Miracle on Ice, when the men's U.S. Olympic hockey team defeated the highly favored Soviet team 4-3 to to progress to the gold medal round, which they won, obviously. Uh, do you believe in miracles? Yes. Yeah, it's uh, yes. it's one of the, the best it's uh, so One there of my was um, an time. article uh, back in like I believe it was '99. Sports Illustrated did um, an article of the the best sports moments in history, and that one was ranked number one. To be completely honest with you, I think it still does. So yeah, I'll hold that up against anything, any other uh, sports moment. Like I will hold that up. So that's all I've got for this week, kids. That's all I've got. So until next time, try to stay out of the penalty box. Good night. Good night. I love you. Peace out. I'm out of here. (laughs)